Heavenly Father, um, we are so thankful that we can come together in your house and we can spend some time in your word and spend some time having some deep conversations around what it is to follow you and what it is to be loved by you. Those aren't mutually exclusive. They go hand in hand. When we feel the overwhelming love that you have for us, we can't help ourselves but to want to know you in a deeper way and want to serve in the way that you would ask us. So I pray, Lord, that we would see both happening um, in these next few minutes as we walk through some songs and walk walk through the word, that we would see um, just how powerful a relationship with you is and that wherever we're at on that journey, we can jump in and follow along and be loved by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So one of the uh, great reformers, Martin Luther, was also known for being quite the rebel when it came to music. Um, He was often in lots of trouble for trying to create hymns and songs that would come together and would match what was being sung in the local pub. And so I'm going to share a couple quotes of his over the next 30 minutes or so. My heart, which is so full to overflowing, has often been solaced and refreshed by music when sick and weary. I think we can all say that, can't we? Um, There's a song from David Crowder that's been running. uh, It's popped up multiple times. Um, The song is Come As You Are. It's something that is, we all know if you've been here for a while, my love for David Crowder and the David Crowder band. Um, And this song keeps coming. Um, In September, I got to see him live at Red Rocks. And he sang this song, and this is one of the songs, first albums that he was ever, uh, he ever did as a solo artist outside of the David Crowder band. And uh, the, the song says, come out of sadness from wherever you've been, come brokenhearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame, all who are broken, lift up your face. Oh, wonder, come home, you're not too far, so lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. And it keeps coming up. Um, a few weeks ago, the Second Service Praise Band sang that song, and I didn't tell them that this has been on repeat in my life for the last few months. Uh, and they sang it, and I had like a little, well, I didn't have a little, I had quite the emotional moment, kind of breakdown in the sound booth when it was happening. And it was, it keeps popping up on the radio, keeps popping up, and music has that way of, connecting us because it's a way that God has gifted us to be able to feel his love in a million different ways through a million different kinds of songs. Now this isn't just worship songs and hymns. We see contemporary artists use themes of God over and over and over again. These are just the easy ones. We're going to get into some more complicated ones. I'm not even going to spend time talking about Pete Seeger or the Bird's cover of Ecclesiastes 3. They just stole that right from God. Made a famous song and made millions. To every season, turn, turn, turn. We've all heard that song. It's just taken out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We, more artists could probably do that. Uh, stairway to Heaven has nothing to do with heaven. It's about a woman who's trading her, finding jewels and a stairway to heaven. But it's this long song that's not really about heaven, but has themes of wanting to achieve something that she can't achieve. The Devil Went Down to Georgia, one of my redneck favorite songs. I love that song. It's a, it's a great song. Uh, but theologically, it's terrible. Like, you don't fight with Satan. You don't get into a challenge match with him. You don't do that. You 
proclaim the word of God and you speak the name of Jesus and the devil flees. You don't say, let's have a fiddle competition. Um, and then the one I make fun of the most is Carrie Underwood's Jesus Take the Wheel. Uh, it's really about her, uh, <laughs> the song, the lyrics in her, she's sliding on ice, on, she hits black ice and she's, her, her vehicle's going out of control and she, the song is Jesus Take the Wheel and so when you re actually read these lyrics and you don't just listen to them, you start seeing how silly some of them are. And when she says, Jesus takes the wheel, uh, or Jesus take the wheel, uh, my head is like, we well, should have paid attention to the ice. Like, slow down, girl. Like, you can't just call on Jesus every time you drive like an idiot. I mean, come on. But one of the first songs that had any spiritual connotation to it that I was in encountered, that I was around, was Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil. Not a good song. Um, I, I think I've made, made mention of this before, but the first cassette tape that I ever purchased as a child through the Columbia House Penny for 12 Tapes scam that most of us were probably sucked into if we're over 40 was Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil. Um, little fact, Columbia House Music is in Terre Haute, Indiana. When I was in college, I would drive by the place. That's the place that scammed us all into buying tapes and CDs was from my home state, so you're welcome for that Hoosier hospitality. Uh, <clears throat> the song is about Satan coming after you, and it's very open and honest about the temptations of the devil, but they're singing it in a way that's almost like, this is cool. We should probably like go after this. This is something to approach. That, the, that Satan is a wolf screaming in the night. He's the, tear, he's the tear in your eye, been tempted by his lie. He's the knife in your back. He's rage. He's the razor to the knife. Oh, lonely is our lives. My head's spinning round and round, but in the seasons of wither, we'll stand and deliver, be strong and laugh, and shout at the devil. Again, theologically, like I get speaking the word of God to the devil, but we don't laugh at his temptations. Now this song, just so you know what a good parent I am, um, this song was the first and easiest song of the video game Guitar Hero because it's a very basic song. I don't know if you guys ever played Guitar Hero or know what that is. It's essentially a video game where you take a toy guitar and you press buttons and you tap it. Well, I am a good parent, and 16 years ago-ish, we introduced Eli to this wonderful Motley Crue song. You might have to turn the light off, Dan. That's Amber's brother, Sean, a great uncle influence in Eli's life as well. So his love of music, and now he helps with, by drumming with the praise band and um, didn't start off with the greatest of influences, but music is like you saw as a child, he doesn't know what the songs are, he doesn't know what the words are, the, the melody, the song, just got into his, and he enjoyed it. That's all of us. We all can feel the power of music every time we turn on a song, every time those, there's, there's certain memories that will be triggered when a song comes on the radio, right? That's something powerful about the music that we listen to. ACDC, Hell's Bells, I don't think we have to go into that one too much. The Call of Hell, Satan's Coming to You, that's not something we want to <laughs> celebrate. 
Aerosmith. I stopped it after the next couple lyrics because uh, we all know Steven Tyler and Aerosmith. Gets a little risque, and of course it turns into something pretty graphic as it goes, but he wrote a whole song, Adam's Apple, all about the temptation in Genesis chapter 3, uh, all about the fall. Um, man, he was, man, he was believer, lady was deceiver, so the story goes, but you see that snake was he. And it, go, it continues on to temptation, it talks a lot about women in it, and so I don't want to get super graphic with all of us on a Sunday morning. Rock of Ages, Def Leppard. I hope you see a theme that some of these are very 80s driven because that's my life. Uh, Def Leppard, Rock of Ages, Rock of Ages, still rolling, keep a rolling, Rock of, we all know this song. What's funny is that this song, um, they got it wrong. They, they were sharing a, a recording studio with, that allowed a Bible study to happen in the studio. And so they came in, they had the melody or the song, I don't know what song I'm saying. They had the song written out, but they didn't have words to go with it. And that happens sometimes in the music world, like the famous Hillsong song, Oceans, that we've sung in worship. They had the song, the, the music was written before they had words to it. And so they prayed about, we got this great song, this great melody that's coming out of us, we have no words for it. And then they prayed about it, and someone, they put the words to Oceans to the song. They had the song first before they had the words. So Def Leppard goes into the studio, they have this song, they don't know what to do, and there was a hymnal left behind with the opened up to Rock of Ages. And so one of the guys just starts singing this hymn and it turns into this rock song that's played in stadiums to millions of people all around the world. Now the quote, when they asked him where they got the, the um, one of the members of the band, his quote is, we let somebody use the studio the night before and they held a Bible study session. A Bible was left in the studio open to the hymn Rock of Ages. So I picked it up and started singing. So when I read that quote, I'm like, um... Clearly, this gentleman does know the difference between a hymnal and a Bible because the hymn, Rock of Ages, is not in the Word of God. It's a hymn. And so even in that, like, he's picking up a hymnal thinking, well, it must be the Bible. It wasn't the Bible. But this song is birthed out of it, taking a quote from a hymnal that's written about the very rock, the profession of the gospel that we see in the Bible, and it's turned into a rock song, and it's sung to millions of and millions of people. Metallica. I know you guys are big heavy metal fans. I can see it in your eyes. Wrote a song, The Creeping Death, which is all about the plagues in, in Egypt and when the Hebrews are held in captivity. Slaves, Hebrews, born to serve to the Pharaoh, heed to his every word, live in fear. Faith of the unknown one, the deliverer, wait, something must be done. 400 years, so let it be written, so let it be done. I'm sent here by the chosen one. To kill the firstborn Pharaoh, I'm creeping death. It's all about the plagues. And so the guys of Metallica, I mean, most of these songs, if you're going to have a, if you're going to listen to them, especially Metallica, pretty driving, fast beat. You're not going to, you're going to miss the words. But they're, they're singing about the Exodus. They're singing about the, the plagues that led to the people of God being freed in a heavy metal song. Writing on the Wall by Iron Maiden. This is out of the book of Daniel, um, where it's uh, Bel Belshazzar, I always get his name wrong, in Daniel 5, about the feast when uh, they've taken all the, the gold and the silver from the Jews, and there's this feast, and then there's a warning from God, and then words just start appearing on the wall, and then Daniel interprets them for them. So Iron Maiden, not known as a Christian worship band, uh, writes a song all about 
this event. Have you seen the writing on the wall? Have you seen that writing? Can you see the riders in the storm? You too? Right from the Beatitudes? Blessed are the arrogant, for there is the kingdom of their, of their own company. Blessed are the superstars, for the magnificent is their light. I mean, it's not right out of the Beatitudes. He added some artistic license to it. But he's taking it straight out of Matthew 5, the idea of the Beatitudes. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Belinda Carlisle, heaven is a place on earth. We've all heard that song on the radio, haven't we? Um, getting into a little more love songs. I don't really think that this song is really about heaven. I think it's about an encounter with a gentleman um, saying that, you know, they say love comes first. We'll make heaven a place on earth. Well, you can take your artistic imagination and let it go where she was taking that song. Spirit in the Sky. Some of you know that song, don't you? What's about dying and going to heaven? When I die and they lay me to rest, can I go to the place that's the best? When I lay me down to die, going up to the Spirit in the Sky. That's where I'm going to go when I die. When I die and they lay me to rest, I'm going to go to the place that's the best. Prepare yourself. You know it's a must. Got to have a friend in Jesus. So you know that when you die, he's going to recommend you to the Spirit in the Sky. And I don't think many people, when this pops up on the radio, or you have it a, a, an album with this one on it, or a CD, I'm learning that too. Kids of this generation, you say, do you have any CDs? CD, what's that? That's how I reacted to eight tracks when I was a teenager, but now CDs are a thing of the complete past as well. So, like, think of the, the sitting down to write a song, clearly has an influence, clearly has a background, clearly has something in the life of this, the writer of the song, and then that's sung amongst, I mean, how many times has that played on the radio or been in a, in a movie or been part of a soundtrack of something that's been part of your life? You guys big Beastie Boys fans? Some of you, one, nobody? Some of you don't know who the Beastie Boys are? They have a song titled Shadrach, which is all about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this one's hard to catch because those guys talk really fast. They sing really fast. But you have these guys from New York who clearly have some Jewish influence in their lives, and so they have a whole song about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then we're just three MCs, and we're on the go. So that, that's a, never mind, it's a rap thing. The Killers write about uh, a song called The Calling. Um, they actually had Woody Harrelson read out of Matthew 9, 10, and 11, 10 to 12 for the track on this song. The Killers, uh, not known as a, uh, being invited to many churches to lead worship, I don't think. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and senators? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So it's a rock song that's been sung by lots and lots of people. Um, all about Jesus and his encounter sitting at the Pharisee's house, and the, or sitting at the tax collector's house, and then the Pharisees come and attack him and say, how can you sit with sinners and eat with sinners? They're unclean, they're unwashed. And his response is, um, you know, healthy people don't need a physician, sick people do. 
So I'm going to go where the sick people are. Joan Osborne. I really don't like this song because it says, what if God was a slob like one of us? I don't think God is a slob, so I've never really liked this one. But I understand the angst in her question. Like, think of the art. If God had a name, what would, you, what would you call it to his face? If you're faced with him in all his glory, would you ask if you had just one? Like, we've all, we, that's a thing you play at, at, at dinner parties. If you could ask God one question, what would it be? We've all had that conversation. She just put it to tune. It was pretty popular as people who were rejected by God or felt rejected by God or felt alone or felt far from God. The concept of, well, maybe God would be here, which we know where it comes from. It comes from, it comes from the idea that if, if God is among us, there's angels among us, if God is among us, would we encounter, how would we encounter him? How would we approach him? Um, some love songs. Hard to Love by Blackpink. It's, it's kind of a punk band. I don't really know Blackpink very well. I just kind of Googled this when it came up. Um, but I thought it was funny to have a country song and a punk song that are kind of, are punk artists, and they use the same title. Um, and the top one is very much seductive. And the bottom one is this guy in a country song saying that he's the wrecking ball crashing, he, but the girl is like a Sunday morning full of grace and full of Jesus. I wish that I could be more like you. Even using Jesus in love songs. Five foot nine. This one was, this one made me, I heard this on the radio this week. So as I was driving around listening to the radio, this one popped up and I had my phone out and I like hit the record button and I'm like trying to keep this, I had to go Google it later. He's talking about a young woman that he's very much into. God makes five foot nine brown eyes and a sundress, loves Tim McGraw in a small town accent. Ain't no way that me and this truck made her fall in love. Jack makes good whiskey, but God makes the good stuff. Oh, God makes the good stuff. So giving credit to God making this woman he's attracted to, but then had to tidy with some Jack Daniels because it's a country song. Um, Martin Luther, again. A person who does not regard music as a marvelous creation of God must be a clodhopper indeed and does not deserve to be called a human being. He should be permitted to hear nothing but the braying of asses and the grunting of hogs. I think Martin Luther is quite opinionated about music, and we should all appreciate music. Um, so why does music have such an impact? And I think the reason why we love the Psalms, the reason why we, we don't have to sing on Sunday morning. We can just show up, say hello to each other, take communion, and then open the Word of God and leave. What if we took away the hymns and we took away the time of worship in our service? Would you guys like that? No. Music has always been something that's been birthed and breathed and given to us as a gift from God. Luther would say, next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. And I would agree. There's something about music that helps us to take the theology that we are taught, we reread in the Word, and it brings it home to our hearts. I think music helps us to connect the head and the heart. It takes the knowledge and gives it emotion and passion so that we can feel it deeply. Now, I've had moments in the Word of God 
where I felt overwhelmed by the power of God in the Word of God. But there's also been times when the music has just resonated in me. I think we need both. If all you do is listen to praise and worship music, or all you do is sing the hymns, and you don't ever spend time in the Word of God, then you're only getting half of what you should be getting. And if all you do is say, well, I'm, I'm a theologian, and I study the Word of God, and I don't need music, and I don't need praise, and I don't need... Then you're missing the, the connection of the... Why do you think we have the Psalms? There's a few Psalms in the Bible. I don't know if you know that or not. There's a few times in the Bible where people are turned to praise, they're turned to sing, they're turned to worship God through music. We worship in a multitude of other ways, but over and over and over again, we're called to sing songs of praise, we're called to be together in praise. Music makes that connection. I think music helps us to find humility in everything. It's awe-inspiring. And that's why when we look at Proverbs chapter 30, we see this drive to that humility. And that's what we're going to spend the rest of the time in Proverbs for however long it takes us to get through it. It's going to be several weeks, probably into the summer. Because the rest of the Proverbs we're looking at are kind of those one-liners. And every one of them could be a lyric. You could take a one-liner out of Proverbs and stick it into a song and have a song wrapped around it. There's multiple, over and over and over again, truths that come out in just a couple sentences. And that's very much like lyrics of a song. And if we pay attention, we're going to see ourselves transformed and, and our eyes open to the things that the wisdom that's coming out of the Proverbs. But it requires us to have a humility. If we approach every time we open the Word of God with an arrogance or with an agenda or with a I've read this a million times before, I've heard it all before, I've got nothing to learn from this, then we're not going to receive what God would have for us. And so in Proverbs chapter 30, we're jumping way ahead and we're going to go way back. But in Proverbs chapter 30, we're introduced to a different author that isn't Solomon. His name is Agur, or Azure, someone the blue letter Bible said to say it. The words of Azure, son of Yaka, the oracle. The man declares, I am weary, O God, I am weary, O God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. We see this, an honest approach in the middle of what he's dealing with, the middle of his pain, like I am I'm wrung out. And it sounds to me just like some of the songs that are being written by people who are trying to figure out who God is they have a background around faith. They feel that there's something lacking or something missing, that they just they can't connect the dots. And we have this author just saying what we all feel sometimes. I am weary, oh God. I am worn out. I'm, I'm just too stupid to be a man. Have you ever opened up the Word and just read something and gone, I'm an idiot? What does that even mean? Okay, thanks for the support. I'm the only one. Appreciate it. And he says, I've not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. He's, he's, he's begging, he's crying out, I need help. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? Who is his, what is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. 
The no human has gone up and down, and he's, he's humbly saying, I'm not God. That there's a way the world works, there's a pattern to life, there's a way that it's ordered and should be followed, there's a, and he can't figure it all out. He's begging for help. He's begging for help, trying to make sense of this confusing and painful and sometimes overwhelming world. Sounds like some song lyrics, doesn't it? Sounds like the same angst that's gone on in rock songs and country songs and love songs and every song in between. He then gives us a bit of insight. Every word of God proves true. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. He's saying that the word of God is sufficient. Don't add to it. It's a warning that we don't sit in judgment of the word of God. That we in the last hundred, I mean, it's always been there. There's always people question the word of God. But as we have gotten smarter, I don't know if we've really gotten that much smarter. We've just got more access to information. And what we do is we'll have something given to us, well, somebody will read us a part of the Bible, someone will speak wisdom to us, and we'll go, well, that doesn't apply to me. I know God said it, I know you're one of those Bible believers, I know that, but come on, I'm smarter than that. I've got a Google device in my pocket. I can look that up. Well, you know, you said that, but I, I read this other article over here that says this, and disproves everything. And so the author of Proverbs Several thousand years ago, this author says that every word is true, but I shouldn't add to it. I shouldn't add to the word of God because that's a dangerous thing to do. Now, I'm not saying you can't question what you're reading in the Bible, but it requires a humility. How do you approach things that you don't quite understand? Do you have an arrogance? I mean, we see that every day when we turn on whatever is your favorite news channel, whatever side of the political aisle that you land, whatever your favorite source of information There are people telling you exactly what to think, what to believe. You're not just being given the information and for you to discern, you to think about it. They're telling you what to think. You can't do that to the Word of God. You have to approach it with humility. We would all be served if we saw all information as just information for us to discern and to weed through instead of saying, well, my guy's always right and your guy's always wrong. That's a terrible way to do life. It's a terrible way to approach the most important things of life, namely from the Word of God. And he gives us, I would argue, the answer. The answer is humility. And he gives us an example of wealth as the dangers of being poor, the dangers of being rich, and that both have the same struggle. Are you humble? Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? And lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. The author sees the danger in being of extreme poverty and extreme wealth. That the one in extreme wealth will say, well, I don't, I take care of myself. I don't need any help from the Lord. I don't need any, I, don't, I got this. That's something that we struggle with here in America to a great extent. When you look at the wealth, the sheer wealth we have compared to other places in the world, it becomes pretty hard for us to rely upon God until something shakes us. Something we can't control, something we can't figure out, 
then it shakes us and we find ourselves going, oh, dear Lord, help me. The, the flip side of that coin is someone who is destitute, who's very poor, and they break the word of God because they feel like deserve more. I deserve more. I should have more. You kind of hear that in the, the undercurrent of things in some people today. Well, those people have everything. Why should I have to work for this? Or why, should I, why can't you just give it to me? Why can't, we just get a, why can't you just let me live my life the way I want? Why do I, why do I have to get a job? Well, not only do you need to take care of yourself, but it's also good for you to have something to do. And so the author is telling us, he's, he's begging God, I'm a fool, I'm an idiot, I don't understand, and so please help me be humble. Don't let me be too wealthy, and don't let me be too poor. Let me be right in the middle so that I am not in suffering, but I'm also still relying upon you. Help me to be right there, Lord, so that I would trust you when things go bad, and I would trust you when things go great, that I'm always going to be trusting you. Help me to have humility. And I think that's the quest that all of us are on. And we're going to see through the, as we continue through the book of Proverbs, that's a continual theme. Can you be a humble person who's open to the people around you? Are you a humble person that's not full of arrogance because you're right all the time? Are you, and are you not so self-deprecating that you won't take credit for what God has done in your life? I'm terrible, I'm, I'm, you can't be either. You can't be so arrogant that you don't need God. You can't be so feeling so low and so terrible that God can't save you, that God can't help you. You've got to be in the middle, humbly submitting your life, saying, whatever you ask of me, Lord, I'm there. I know you'll help me get through this. I know you'll be right there with me. I don't have all the answers. I'm a fool, but guide me. Help me. Let me see it. The Celtic monks um, had, a, had a saying. They called it, they had this, it's called thin places. That the thin places are where heaven and earth meet. That there's these moments where you feel close to God. You feel really in his presence. Um, and they called them thin place moments. We, the, the children's ministry used to have, they call it God sightings or moments with God. Um, years ago when I first got here. And that's, that's what we're getting at, is that those times in your life when you can look back and you can go, I was really in the presence of God. I really heard Him. I really felt Him. I really, man, that was a moment. For me, there's been some music around some of those moments. Um, and you guys know the last several months have been a little, little rough um, for me and for my family. And so in the middle of, I think it, I think it was in February, I got a, a shipment um, from Harbor Ministries, which is a, a ministry I help with, a ministry that was in, deeply impactful in my life, and I've been serving with them for a while, and it was a coffee mug. And just has the Harbor Ministry logo, it's just a gray coffee mug, then it has this quote on it that says, I won't back down. Do you know what that's from? What song is I Won't Back Down? Tom Petty. Tom Petty. 
Um, there was a moment in the ministry where um, Brian Olson, the guy who helps lead worship, he was part of the, one of the first crews of the old. I was in the young guys crew because I was young when I went 10, 12 years ago the first time. And he was in the, the older, the first of the old crew. And they asked him to lead worship. And so he was trying to find a song to encapsulate these men coming around um, this moment where you challenge people, challenge these men to be closer to God, challenge them to seek God, you challenge them to um, be close to, to him through space and prayer. And, and he had all the worship songs, and, and it just, none of it fit the moment. And so he picked a song. And he tells the story. He's like, I don't, I don't know that Tom Petty really meant this to be a worship song, but we're gonna take the, we're gonna take the line and we're gonna run with it. That we're gonna take the line from Tom Petty's song, "I Won't Back Down." <clears throat> well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. I'll stand my ground. Won't be turned around. And I'll keep this world from dragging me down. Gonna stand my ground. And I won't back down. And I won't sing the part, hey baby. There ain't no easy way out. Now, I have watched men for the last 10 years gather in a room and sing this song. And so I thought I'd show you a clip of that from a few, this is maybe two years ago. Brian's the one singing, obviously. listen to him sing every day. Um, what I love about Brian is that he puts, I mean, he's been, he was in a major band and he's been on stage in front of thousands and he gives as much passion to the 30 guys in a room as he does to when he's on a giant crowd. Um, now, what's the point of all of this? God has shown up in my life through music and friends, and small, thin place moments of God appearing where it feels like the place of heaven and earth are touching in a way that's overwhelmed me in grace and overwhelmed me in love, especially in the last several months. There's a whole world out there that's longing to feel the presence of God, and it's oozing out in rock songs and in country songs and in heavy metal songs and old 70s music. 
is a jab at some of you. Thank you. But there's an order to the world that's trying to figure this out. That God made it perfect, and then it wasn't. He made it perfect. And then sin broke it all. And we are dealing with the angst and the frustration and the turmoil in our hearts and in the world around us because it's not the way it's supposed to be. And that, that truth oozes into every corner of culture. And that's why sometimes a song that's not supposed to be a worship song speaks to us. Because the truth oozes into every corner of life. And the way to find those answers is through our humbleness. As we see in Proverbs 30, the author is telling us that we have to humble ourselves. We can't be so sure that there is no God. We can't be so sure that nothing can be at play. There is no order. There is all chaos. And we can't be so sure over here that everything is planned out and we're just robots or just actors in a movie. That the truth is the humbleness we find in the middle is that this world is a mess. And the only thing holding it together is the very power of God. And if we can listen, if we can just listen to the soundtrack of his story being played, that's where we'll find wholeness. That's where we find joy. That's where we find the truth. It's found in his word. And I would argue it's found in a lot of the music that we listen to. If we would just open our ears and our hearts and we would pay attention, we would be overwhelmed by the presence of God and by his love. He will sustain us if we would just let him get out of his, get out of your own way and let him hold you tight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the time that we have together. Um, I am so thankful for all of the friends and colleagues and acquaintances and even people I don't know that would speak into my life whether they know it or not to help me to see um, that through humility we are found closer to you and through humility we are found just a little bit um, better each and every day. I pray, Lord, as we turn our radios on and we have playlists and we have songs that speak to us from maybe middle school dances to um, gatherings of family and friends, whether it's through memorial services and, and giant parties and everything in between. Music speaks to all of us. And I pray that as we open the word and we continue through Proverbs in the next several weeks, we would see lots of wisdom that comes out of not only your word, but the music that surrounds it. Help us, Lord. Help us to humble ourselves, to open our eyes and open our hearts and open our minds to the truth that's all around us. You're seeking to be with us. And I pray, Lord, that we would allow ourselves to be found. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.